everyone. Welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor Nick Davies on May 19th, 2021, during our Wednesday evening service. If you have never joined us in person, we would love to see you here. Our services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 7 p.m., and Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. I don't know a lot about houses at all, Um, but I do know that there are some very important things you need to know when you sell a house or when you're looking to buy a house. One of those things is curb appeal. You guys heard of that? Curb appeal? Um, I had to look it up just in case I was wrong. I wasn't, thankfully. It's a pretty easy thing to understand. Curb appeal is all about how the outside of your house looks from the street corner, right? What do people see when they walk by? Does it attract potential buyers? Does it look nice and clean? What about the rest of your neighborhood? Does your whole neighborhood have good curb appeal? Is the grass manicured? People look, maybe without realizing it, at a home from the outside and then make certain assumptions about how the inside looks. If they have a well-manicured yard and the house is clean, then maybe what's going on on the inside is consistent with that. People say, don't judge a book by its cover, but we do more often than not. We all make assumptions to some degree about what's going on inside based on what a house, a book, or maybe a person Uh, is displaying on the outside of themselves. That feeds a behavior that many of us tend to participate in, and that is creating curb appeal for ourselves, not just for our houses, but for me, myself, and I. We may dress a certain way to make people think that we have it all together. We walk into church with a smile on our faces, And when someone asks us how we're doing, we give a quick, doing well, I'm blessed. Everything's great. Now, you are blessed, but many times we don't even stop to think of our blessings when we say it. But you know well that you are on the verge of tears as you're walking through the doors. You are arguing with your spouse or kids about whatever. You're struggling with the loss of a parent from years ago, and it feels like it just happened yesterday. Your kids are driving you crazy and you just need a break, but you don't feel like you can ask. So you walk through the doors and you smile. You grin. And behind the smile is a world of hurt, something that the curb appeal is hiding. Maybe your curb appeal isn't hiding hurt. Your curb appeal could be hiding sin. You've come to church and go to the altar and pray and you serve a ton and you're really, really involved with the church, but you've got a secret sin in your life that you're not telling everybody about and you're hiding it behind the manicured grass. You binge drink after work before you go home and hide it from your family. You're cheating on a spouse. You're creating some kind of identity here that says outwardly, I have it all together, but on the inside, you're dead. You've pretended about this Jesus thing for years and you've gotten by. Now, maybe for you, it's not quite as drastic as pretending to be saved. I don't think everybody has that particular issue. My guess is, though, that 
if you're here tonight struggling with creating a curb appeal, you know what that is for you. You know what you are hiding behind the false wall. You're probably tired of feeling like you have to maintain this image. I know it because I've done it. I've been one of those people. When I was in college my first year, I had some baggage, I guess you could say, that I was shoving deep down or just not dealing with things the way that God would have wanted me to, acting like everything's fine and it wasn't. But I had somebody on my hall that, by the grace of God, perceived that. A guy on leadership a couple years older than me. It had to be a God thing because I didn't let anybody in. I always had that false wall up. I'm always doing fine, doing good. Everything's a-okay. And he came to me one night and he said, Nick, you know it's okay to cry, right? And I remember that night, a crack in my facade was formed. And I cried. And it was okay. It was all right to cry. I didn't really realize that before. But it was okay. And he gave me a hug. And I wasn't a very huggy person before that. But because he stepped out, and asked me if I was okay, I became a huggy person. I'll give you a hug if you want a hug. I'm okay with that now. Before I'd been like, this is weird. But something happened that day. He gave me permission to cry. He gave me permission to lean on him. If you're there at the point of maintaining your curb appeal, whatever it takes, and you're hiding hurt or you're hiding sin or you're hiding what's really going on in your life, I hope to give you some kind of encouragement from God's word this evening to tear down the wall, because we don't need it. Amen. What's really going on in your heart is what we have to ask ourselves. If you're hiding, if, you're, if you have a wall, what's really going on in your heart? Because the issue of the facade is really, genuinely, an identity issue that reveals to us our sinful heart. We're going to take a look at a couple of common identity issues, and then we're going to take a look at what our true identity is in Christ so we have and see through God's word that we can let down the facade. We can let down the wall. So, like I said, it's all kind of an identity issue. Uh, common outworkings of this identity crisis we see in a couple passages, one of those being Romans 1.32. We're going to be jumping, a lot, jumping around a lot, so... Sword drill time. Romans 1, verses, verse 32, it says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them, or um, approve of them that do them. The approver of evil has made himself the ultimate authority rather than God. It's an identity issue. They see me, myself, as I, and I as God, not the one true God, and so they define their own morality. This is right to me. Oh, the crowd says it's all right, and they approve. Second thing is maybe a whitewashed tomb. Maybe this is you. Matthew 23, uh, 27 through 28 says this. This is Jesus giving the woes to the scribes and Pharisees. It says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto white sepulchres, whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all 
uncleanliness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. But within, ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. This is another side of the coin of an identity crisis that other people, not yourself necessarily, have become your God rather than God himself. The public approval has become more important to you. The image that other people see, not what God sees, but what other people see, has become more important to you than the approval of our Heavenly Father. You may look good on the outside, but inside is dead. And whether or not you realize it, you probably feel dead inside if this is you. Wanting more, wondering, is there more to life than just people-pleasing? By the grace of God, there is. And that's what we're going to get into tonight. So we have to ask ourselves, not just what's going on in our heart, but what do you see when you look at yourself in the mirror, metaphorically? Not necessarily, what do you see when you look in the, in the mirror in the bathroom? Um, but what do you see when you reflect upon yourself? As humans, we have a general identity of, be, of being special beings of creation that were made in the image of God. Genesis 1, uh, this is probably a familiar passage to many of you. 26 and 27, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he create, created he him. Male and female created he them. As a general truth, this means we are all creatures subject to our Creator. That our Creator knows best and what is best for us because He created us. He knows us inside and out better than we know ourselves. It means we're under His authority as He is our Master and Creator. And that in God's original plan for creation, He meant for us to reflect him to the rest of the world. We were to reflect his image. We were created in perfect harmony with him and with one another and with creation. So the first thing we must realize is that we are creatures under the authority of our king and creator. This is one of the first parts of the gospel, right? There is a creator who created us and we walked against his way. We disobeyed and now we have sin in our life that has hidden or uh, subjected us to the penalty for sin, which is death. But God is not done creating. He's not done creating little babies, special humans, as he forms and intricately weaves the child in Nicole's womb today and takes part in that uh, development of a child. It is truly a miracle. It blows my mind every day that we can do that. But by the grace of God and by the power of God, he creates. In Psalm 139, 13 through 16, it says this, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my numbers, members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. 
How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Generally speaking, when you look in the mirror, do you see a person that God has created? Or do you see a life that you've messed up in? Do you see failure? Do you see just a product of your sin? Despite your belief about yourself, the fact stands that all people are God's creation. All are and have been loved by Him despite their recognition of Him as God. He loves even the sinner. Romans 5.8, But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That has to be one of my favorite passages. It just it blows my mind every time I read it and hear it and say it. How? But He did. He loved us. So, generally speaking, every single one of us, every single human is created and is loved by God. But as followers of Jesus, our identity goes even a step further. We need to understand and get that correct first. But as followers of Jesus, our identity goes even deeper. It's rooted in Christ. Well, it should be rooted in Christ. As those who have their name written in the book of life, as ones who have recognized and accepted that Jesus loved them even despite their own sin, we have now been called children of God. We have been made new, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Not only are we made new, but we are also called the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12.27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. We play a role in the work of the ministry. We are also children of God, as I said before, John chapter 1, 12 and 13 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are also created in Jesus for good works. This is part of our identity. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath beforehand ordained that we should walk in them. Just a few of our things that make us have an identity in Jesus or that Jesus says about our identity when we are in him. I mention identity because it plays a vital role in whether or not you build that facade. Because when you look in the mirror, again, figuratively speaking, and decide in your heart to put on a front, it is most likely because you believe a lie about yourself. You believe a lie that somebody told you, a lie that maybe you came up with. Maybe you believe that you can't be forgiven, that you're too far gone, that you're weak, that you need to get things straightened up before you come to the cross, or that you aren't accepted by Jesus anymore. Maybe you believe that the other children of God won't accept you or love you. Maybe you believe that if people really knew who you were, you would never be accepted. There would be no chance that you're the only one with this problem. Nobody else in the world has it. It's just me, so I need to tuck it away and hide it. Maybe you believe the lie that you're weird, a little weird. Maybe you believe that you're a failure, that you're to be avoided, that if you spewed out all the things that were wrong even just once, people might just see you as a burden, and that's it. It's sad that believers leave behind their identity in Christ, to build an identity that they feel will be more accepted 
by the people around them. We have been given an incredible identity in Jesus, and yet many times we hide it. We hide behind a facade to put up a front that we think other people will like more. And it's sad that many times we are so willing to turn a blind eye to the reality that we are not always okay. We aren't always okay. Maybe we think, if I don't pry into their life, they won't pry into mine, and that I don't have to let my, my guard down. And in doing that, we, perpe- we, perpetu- we perpetuate the hurt in ourselves and in other people. Or if we fail to call out the sin in someone else for fear they will call out our sin, maybe that's what we do. Brothers and sisters, we have to ask ourselves, do we want to grow in Jesus? Do we want Jesus' Jesus's name to be high and lifted up? Do we want people to see us and give glory to ourselves or give glory to God? In Matthew 6, 1, it says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward for your Father which is in heaven. Is our goal to put on a show or is our goal to glorify our Father? Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're not called to work to build up our image. We're called to work to bring glory to our Father. So who are we working for? Is it for our image? Is it identity crisis that has driven us to work to build up something that really has no worth? Or are we working from a correct identity that places Jesus at the center and working for his glory? If you've been building a facade to protect your identity and to create a reality that just really isn't real, let me tell you, in Christ there is freedom. We don't have to carry the burden of upholding this identity or that identity. There is a place that is a place of freedom. That place is in Jesus. So here's my encouragement to you. Open the doors. Open the doors, number one, to Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. This is Paul's thorn in the flesh. This is the response. Actually, let's start in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we let down the wall of I'm strong enough to handle anything. We give room for Christ's power to shine. Now, I'm not telling you you need to go around and air your dirty laundry out. You don't need to share everything with everyone. But ask yourself honestly, are you diminishing the strength of our God by neglecting to admit 
your weaknesses. Not that you can diminish his strength, but that as Paul did, through my weakness, Christ works. When I am weak, then I am strong. We all need Jesus. But few of us really act like it, right? Many of us act like we don't need it. I'm fine all the time. When we build this facade of I'm fine, we leave no room for the power and strength of God to shine through us. We have no room for a testimony of God's grace and mercy and goodness in in time of need when we never admit that we need them. If we never have need, we never let that opportunity for testimony shine through. And the reality is we live in a broken world. We need him. We need him. The second thing we need to open our doors to is not just to Jesus. We need to open the doors to one another. Look at James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Guys, we need each other. We need each other. We need one another whether we want to admit it or not. We're not quite as strong as we wish we were. When we are unwilling to let someone out help, when we are unwilling to let someone step into our lives, you prevent somebody from being able to honor God through obedience to stepping into your life. Not necessarily that you're causing them to sin, but God might be trying to pry in a little bit through your friend or working through one of his children in your life. God may very well be giving you exactly what you need through the person that has said to you today, how you doing? And instead you said, I'm fine. And there was a missed opportunity for God to work in them, through them, and on you, giving you exactly what you need. To close, I have a bit of encouragement uh, for those of you who may approach someone this Sunday and say, how you doing? You ever say that to somebody? How you doing? If that's you, if you say how you doing to somebody, mean it. Ask them, really genuinely. Ask them. How are you doing? Don't flippantly ask. The day that God used a guy on my hall to break through my wall, I saw Proverbs 12:18 come to life, which says, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. I wouldn't be where I am now without God working through that guy. I wouldn't be where I am now had that guy not approached me and said, Nick, you know it's okay to cry. Our Savior wept. It changed a lot in me that night. It set me on a path for a lot of other changes. You have a chance to impact someone's life in the name of Jesus by genuinely just asking them how they're doing. I had a couple people when I worked at the hospital, I said, how are you doing? Quite a lot. And someone answered back to me, do you really want to know? Mm. When you ask somebody, when you really ask somebody how they're doing, that means you have to be vulnerable too. But remember, in our weakness, Christ's strength is displayed. He can do something incredible through that little moment of just saying, how you doing? So let down the wall, 
live in the identity that Christ has given us as forgiven, blood-bought children and really ask someone this week, how are you doing? Give them permission to let down their wall. Be a church, be a follower of Jesus that cares and let Christ work in you and through you in that person's life. You never know what it is they need to let go of. And you might be the opportunity that God is giving them to do it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll get into our prayer time for tonight. Lord God, we love you. We thank you that you are a God that is close by us, that hears us, that loves us, that cares for us. Lord, that sent your son Jesus to die for us, even while we were sinning. Lord, because of you, we need not fear what man can do unto us. Lord, our, our reputation, according to the world, may be tainted and destroyed. And Lord, when we admit sin or confess to one another, that means maybe we need to give something up or things of this world might not be handed to us anymore. But God, we are given freedom through you. Lord, when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Lord, I pray that we would make a habit of confessing to one another. Lord, I pray that we would make a habit of confessing to you. Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves and realize that we're not always fine. That we need you. And Lord, that in our weakness, your power will shine through. Lord God, we thank you for all you've done for us. It is, it is so abundant and we are so blessed beyond measure that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around all you've done for us. We love you, we praise you, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon. And until next time, stay faithful.